Hello, welcome to Spotlight, illuminating a world of artistic gems. Spotlight, brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. This evening, we finally catch up with the new bard, a busy woman already. Hear about the festival of choirs back this autumn, bigger and better than ever. And the Merchant of Venice takes not so much to the stage as the garden. Remember, do get in touch with any creative artistic endeavours you may be involved in, planning, hoping to create, or would really like to put in the spotlight. Poetic, visual, theatrical, musical, literary, mime, ceramics, da di da di da di da you know it. SpotlightManxRadio.com, Howard Kane at ManxRadio.com. Either will work. Whilst I remember, love is in the air. No, no, not just me getting romantic, I know. But the name of what promises to be a wonderful evening of music featuring soprano Christine Sutcliffe and Olga Eggett at the piano, both well-known on the island scene. Of course, Christine teaches singing privately and also at King Bill's, co-director of Stage Door Entertainment. Olga has worked as a professional pianist around the world, currently teaches piano on the Isle of Man, and also you can find her playing organ at St Andrew's Church. They're performing an evening of beautiful duets by Chopin, Mozart, Rossini and Porter, Cole Porter I assume. It's at the Erin Arts Centre, September the 10th, 7.30. Tickets available from the EAC website. Check it out, sounds a great night. Now, the new Manx Bard was crowned a couple of weekends back. Boxy, the ninth poet to take on the prestigious position. We were hoping to bring you a chat with her last week here on Spotlight, but due to, as they say, circumstances beyond my meagre control, that couldn't happen. But without further ado, a week late, here she is. And here we are, catching up at last with the new Bard for the forthcoming year, who, as uh, we have heard on Mike's radio and uh, as we mentioned last week on Spotlight, is boxy, but we've had at last a chance to catch up, so has it, has it sunk in now? Just about. I still wake up in the morning and it's only the fact that I've got the bardic robes hanging up in the hallway and I think, oh, it is real. But I'm absolutely thrilled to bits. And, you know, as I said at the time, I didn't expect to win, but I am so honoured to be the ninth bard for the Isle of Man. So what are you hoping to do? Because I know one of the things within the bardic role is you're also asked, OK, if you were the bard, and of course you are now the bard, what would you like to do during your bardic year? Well, one of the things I really want to do is promote poetry and get the message across that it's not an elitist activity. Poetry is for absolutely everybody. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to do some events all over the island and get this message across, get every, every person involved, as many as I can, and show them how wonderful and the power of words and of course, as we're speaking now, you're actually off to one of your, your first gigs in your role, I think. I am indeed, yes, which is uh, a bit daunting in some ways. Um, but at the same time, I'm really you know, looking forward to the experience and to meeting fellow poets, that some of which I've never met before, and hearing their work as well as performing my own. And that's quite interesting you say that because it's true, isn't it, with poetry? There's, and I sort of found over the years you sort of chat away to people who, you know, you might have known for years and you might mention, oh, you know, I'm going to the slam or I'm going to whatever. And they say, oh, I write a bit of poetry. And you think, really? I've never known, I've known you for 20 years. I didn't know you wrote poetry. Absolutely, yes. And, and sometimes, you know, it's, it's 
in a way, the most unexpected people. Um, you know, I used to be a school teacher, and I knew quite a few teachers who wrote poetry, and there's, there's nothing unusual about that. Um, but I'm, I was talking to a fellow who's a gardener, and he says, oh, I write poetry, and a postman who writes poetry, and, and various other things. So it goes to show that poetry is for everyone, you know. It's not just the people in their ivory towers of academia. It's, it's accessible to every single person, as it should be. And where are you on your sort of poetry journey then? Is it something that's been with you since you were a little girl, something you've come to much later in life? A bit of both. I used to write an awful lot of poetry when I was a younger girl. And then after getting married and having my own family and going into teaching, I found myself so busy I didn't even have time to think about poetry. And then in 2018, um, I became unable to work. I've had a few health scares with strokes and cataracts and one thing and another another and I was looking for something to occupy my time initially because I'm so used to working my days were full and to have that taken away literally overnight came as quite a shock anyway a friend of mine told me about these writing for well-being workshops that were being run by a lady called Janet Lees and I thought well go along and give it a try and it you know it's the best thing I ever did because not only did it make me feel better in myself but it got me writing again and I now write stories I'm researching a book based on the Eric Crugine papers I'm doing a master's degree and of course I've got my poetry so I I'm still improving or I like to think I'm improving and I I don't think there's any such thing as the perfect poet we're always revising our work and we're never satisfied and there's tweak here and there comes a time we have to say enough, leave it, go on to the next one. Yes. But hopefully each one is a little bit better than the one before and hopefully people enjoy hearing them or reading them. And you mentioned there as well something you quite often hear, especially with poetry, sometimes with writing in general, this whole idea of, as you say, of as it is a sort of form of therapy, a form of mental well-being, a, a sort of cathartic exercise as well. Do you find all that with your writing? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the second aim of my time as, as the Manx Bard this year. I am going to set up some writing for well-being workshops. I've been training. My master's degree is in creative and therapeutic writing. So that means I can offer... Um, the power of words to, to deal with trauma, to deal with general well-being and to be a help to the community in general. We'll have a poem, shall we? Yes, and this is the one that um, quite a few people have asked if they can see or hear. Um, it's the one I performed at my inauguration um, and it's the one that I also had to perform as, as part of my audition to be the bard. Um, and it's, it's based on a true story. <laughs> I know because I wrote it myself. Um, but yes, cer certain facts um, about the, the king and, and what happened early on, that is absolutely true and uh, I, it comes from research that I've been doing. But following on from that is a little bit of artistic license. Quite right too. <laughs> but I hope you all enjoy it. It's called Mananan's Revenge and it's the true story of Kamak. Back in the time of sea kings, Godred Croven ruled this isle. His men preferred the southern lands and settled there a while. 
The Celtic Manx were shifted to the northern hills and plains, and so began the rivalry, which to this day remains. To settle disagreements, a Norse Tynwald soon was called, but squabbles still got violent. Poor King Ori was appalled. And so, to stop the fighting, keep it under his control, an annual sporting contest would be held with stick and ball. The North would play against the South St Stephen's Day each year. On neutral territory, Tynwald's Field, to be quite clear. Quite soon, this game, called Camog, became the true Manx fella's quest. Celts against the Norsemen, sure the Celts would be the best. Manannan helped the Northern Manx as much as he was able, but Thor turned up to help the South, and soon he turned the tables. Back and forth the action flowed, the competition fierce. Sticks and balls are flying, opposition's goal to pierce. Generations passed. You cannot tell who's Norse or Celt. Migration, integration made it really how you felt in choosing sides. In fact, these days it doesn't really matter who or where you're from because the players simply batter the ball into the nearest goal and that will be a score, a cheer from old man Allen and a groan or two from Thor. Whilst sitting on the Tinwald Hill, invisible to mortals, the other gods take bets on who this year will win the laurels. But Menanen has a secret, known to just a chosen few. I know I'm not supposed to say, but now I'm telling you. Thor may have his hammer. But Manannan's got a cloak, which even in the drizzle has capacity to soak. Should Northern Manx be overcome and the Southies win the game, Manannan makes his feelings known by sending loads of rain. But no, not in the winter time to spoil the Yuletide snow. He waits until the summer. Then he drowns the Southern show. <laughs> Great stuff. And like Michael and Owen before her, we will be enjoying a poem from Boxy each month here on Spotlight and check in with her from time to time to see how her year as Bard is going. Glenn Faber, Corral performing at the 2017 Festival of Choirs. And the festival is back this year. Lockdown has caused slight problems, of course, every other year it normally goes on, but it is here this year, a record entry. To find out more, I spoke to Festival Director of Jeff Corkish and Festival Coordinator Gary Corkill. Started in 2010, I was a member of uh, Tinwald uh, with responsibility for tourism. And the thing I'd always had in the back of my mind to do was to set up uh, a choir festival. Uh, we didn't call it a choir festival. I called it a festival of choirs, which sounded better because it was a celebration of, of choirs and those who enjoyed singing in choirs. So we started in 2010 uh, and we held it in the Villa Marina Arcade. We had a good year, good response. 
um, from visiting choirs and local choirs. We held it every two years because it's difficult to sustain every year. Uh, so every two years, this will be our seventh this year, October, beginning the Friday the 13th. Good day, that shows how, how positive <laughs> we are. And um, uh, Saturday the 14th competition, Sunday uh, competition and finals uh, culminating in the festival, uh, choir, choir of the festival. Uh, so it's been greatly received. It's gone really well. I'm delighted with it. We've got hard workers, you know, Gary Corkle, who's sitting alongside me here, has been absolutely fantastic. He's a wizard on the old computer when I can just about manage to switch it on. So this year we have 19 choirs. We've got 14 wow. choirs coming from across and five local choirs who are great of that support as well. So it is a terrific number there, Gary. So 19, that's, uh, is that a record number, the record number of entries? It is. The, the most we've ever had, I think, is 13 choirs. Uh, so we've got 14 visiting choirs along with five local choirs, and uh, yeah, 19 is the, the highest ent entry we've ever had. We have a, a, a gathering day, if you like, on the Friday when choristers arrive from all over the UK uh, to the Isle of Man, either by sea or by air. And I thought it was a good idea, rather than just arrive here and they walk around the Isle of Man, which is a, we allow them to do that on the Saturday evening, but on the Friday I thought, why not have a nice welcome evening where they can come in and enjoy something to eat, uh, and have an informal sing-song where they all get to know each other. It breaks down barriers. And from that, we have we, we are now told we're known as the Friendly Festival, which stands out amongst other festivals around the UK. So Friday night is our, is our welcome night. It's a lovely, lovely night. Unfortunately, we haven't got room for the public to come, and that's purely for the choirs to get to know mm -hmm. each other. Uh, lovely, lovely, lovely night, I have to say. And then on the Saturday... They meet up again, um, knowing each other, but uh, with in competition in mind. Okay, and there's I was looking just briefly beforehand. So there's classes, separate classes. There's ladies. There's a male. There's a mixed. What's the open class then? That's a, is that something separate again? Uh, yes, uh, we we introduced this uh, about two festivals ago because we had a we actually had a number of barbershop uh, choirs who entered uh, the male voice choir class and they weren't happy about competing against traditional choirs so we thought well we'd, we'd look and maybe introduce an open class so it's like an anything goes class so we have a gospel choir we have a, a number of a couple of community choirs uh, and it also gives the opportunity for some of the choirs in the other classes to have a second sing so we've got some of the choirs doing a, a completely different program so say the ladies in the ladies' class may sing a, a tr like a, a traditional uh, choral set in one class, but in the open class, they may sing pop songs, songs from the shows, uh, nursery rhymes. So it really is an anything goes type of class. We uh, have a, a adjudicator, uh, a Tristan Lewis from uh, North Wales, who's coming over for the weekend to adjudicate. He will pick four winners, one from each class. Uh, and then those four choirs will then sing on the Sunday morning in the choir of the festival. In the classes, they sing four songs each. On the Sunday, they sing a 25-minute concert programme, any music of their choice, and the winner of those four choirs competing in the final will be crowned choir of the festival. I think it's worth saying, too, that we have some choirs coming back who have been here before, and that's testament to the standard uh, off the festival. If it was no good, they wouldn't come back again. And some of these choirs are really top-class choirs. And Gary mentioned a gospel choir. 
Gospel Choir have been here before. They are actually winners of the BBC Songs of Praise Gospel Choir wow. of the Year. Very high standard. So people coming to the festival, certainly who've been here before, know that the festival is a good festival. It's not just a, a friendly festival where they all have a good time, eat and drink and sing, but it is a worthwhile festival to come to, and, 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 and we're very proud of that. Absolutely. And a lot of work, I dare say, to, to actually organise these things. Absolutely, and I have to pay homage here to Gary because Gary is the mainstay. Yeah, I, th- I think it's comparable to herding cats at times. Uh, but <laughs> that no, sounds the, familiar. <laughs> no, the choirs are very good. They they tend to give all the information they need on, on time. They, they they sort out their own accommodation and travel, uh, so that's one less for us. But they're all they're all keen. They all want to go somewhere new to sing. Uh, and uh, you know, the Isle of Man seems to be a popular choice. And we'll hear more about the festival next week. Spotlight. Brought to you by the Isle of Man Arts Council. Finally, the world's a stage, unless it's a garden. Shakespeare's Merchant of Venice is being performed on the Isle of Man this week, but not at the Gaiety, Erin Arts Centre, Peel Centenary Centre, or any of the other famous art centres on the island, but the Villa Marina Gardens. Co-director of Paradox Theatre Company, Charlie Williams, told me an outdoor performance had always been appealing to them. We'd been thinking about doing something outdoors from the get-go when we first got David Dawson involved for the excellent production of Much Ado About Nothing, which we had last year, featuring, of course, yourself. Um, we discussed, you know, different ideas about how we could do things because it was really a blank slate that we were starting from. And the idea of outdoors had been mooted. And so Alex and I, for this production, said, well, why don't we try it for this one? The last one was successful. Um, we, we found we have an audience. We found we have, you know, there's actors on the island who are willing to do and want to do this type of theatre. And so we thought, well, yeah, let's let's give it a go. So that that we 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 kind of went out and went searching, really. And the Villa Marina, it was um, a, a fortuitous meeting of the minds when it came to the villa because they have started thinking about what they want to be using this space for. They're very much looking, I think, towards using that outdoor space, that wonderful, beautiful gardens that they have for for more things. You know, as you would see in the UK and various other locations for more things like this and we went to them and I think they said well you know give us a proposal and they were happy with what we with what we gave them and brings its own unique challenges it brings many challenges yes it's one of those situations where you where you just jump with both feet I think we went we announced on the Manx Theatre podcast and we'd said to some other people we're going to do it outdoors and then we started looking at the logistics of it and we're going oh my goodness this is going to be a lot of work and and it is a lot more work because there's so many unknown variables weather notwithstanding just you know you've got to get kit there you've got to get the actors there you've got to work out where you're going to place things so it has thrown up a number of a number of challenges but we've really enjoyed taking on those challenges and hopefully um we we've succeeded in doing so and any of the actors got experience of actually performing in an outdoor arena like this yes some of them do actually um i was surprised by the number there were some who'd done outdoor performances at school um some who'd done them at university when they've done professional courses in acting they'd, they'd done outdoor theater others who had professionally acted outdoors um and and, and in the uk for, for periods of time and so it's kind of actually pretty much an even split i think between those who haven't and those who have but we we've tried to do a number because you know it's the Isle of Man you, you, during August it's it's quite wet so you're trying to anticipate when you're going to be doing outdoor rehearsals but we managed to get a few in and um, everyone's grasped the grasped the nettle so to speak and are doing great. Now as we speak Wednesday evening here on Spotlight it's the day before opening night 
A, I suppose the uh, wonderful thing is it looks, touch wood, the weather gods, I shouldn't tempt fate, <laughs> but it looks actually amazingly good, the forecast for the next few days, which must have you mopping your brow thinking, thank God. Yeah, no, there was, there, I, 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 my wife came into into the. I was sat on the end of the bed the other day, and my wife came and said, "What are you doing? We need to be leaving the house to go somewhere." I said, "I'm just checking the weather again." <laughs> She's going, "Stop checking the weather." Um, it, yeah, you, you do. You know, you, you are thinking. We had contingencies in place. We we knew what we were doing if it was going to rain. It's the Isle of Man. You know, it, it's early September. Is we chose early September for a reason because it is traditionally actually quite nice. Quite good, yeah. Um, August is notoriously a washout, and so we thought we're not touching that. And so we thought, well, we'll do early September, and we were saying, you know, we were we were we were saying, oh, we think it's going to be good weather, but if it's not, we've got contingencies in place, and we did have, and we do have. Um, but are you do you do want it to be nice, you know, because that's that's the that's the best way. If it is nice, it's just the cherry on the top, really. So. If the weather does hold, fingers crossed. If it doesn't, I'm coming after you. But if it does hold, <laughs> um, if it does hold, then yeah, we it'll be wonderful. And the amazing thing is, nothing to do with the weather because it went long before. But a lot of the nights have have actually sold out of the original allocation of tickets. The entire run sold out. Um, I think it's the first time I've been involved in production that sold out prior to it actually starting, um, which was which was wonderful. And I think that's to do with. Um, you know the 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 venue that we're in. That the, I think people are intrigued by. Obviously, you know, to come and see the show and to come and see outdoor theatre, but also where we're doing it. And the location is great. And word of mouth, really. I think it started spreading around. You know, that these tickets that we only had a certain number available because of because of how we were doing it. And and people, yeah, they they sold out. But we are as of yesterday now um so whether there's any tickets left you'll have to have a look but we have released some more um not many many more but we have released some more to try and you know get people in who really want to see it who haven't managed to grab tickets so and it's just, is it sort of like uh, if people might remember going to see Shakespeare at Peel Castle? Similar sort of scenario, or people will they still be lounging on the ground, bringing their picnics, or is it more sort of seated? No, no, it's it's it's, uh, and that's one of the reasons why you have to factor in the number of people who are going to be there because we don't have allocated seats. You know, it's not um, there's a number of you know we're not restricting people to chairs because we wanted it to be. We wanted whilst we're in town, we wanted that freedom of. Being able to put out a picnic blanket or bring your camper chair or, or whatever, sit out on the ground and enjoy enjoy the show really with some food um you can't bring alcohol into the into location but you can purchase on site so you can have a drink um you can bring picnics in however you can bring non-alcoholic drinks in and um and the villa marina was really on board with that idea as well so there's there's not that restriction of no you can only eat at these restaurants and you know there's only this tie-in we wanted to do something different whereby people had the location of the gaiety theater but an entirely different experience to being sat in an allocated seat and I think that that um, and for that reason we're opening that the show is opening I think the doors are opening about an hour before so people can get in kind of get bedded in um, relax enjoy the, the summer evening before the show starts and the interval will probably slightly be slightly longer as well to facilitate people being able to go to the bar people being able to be able to wander around um, and um, that we were really attracted by the idea kind of that f- the freedom of outdoor theatre um, but in a but but in the centre of Douglas. <laughs> Absolutely, more tickets have gone out, so people listening to us thinking, "Wow, I actually wouldn't mind a slice of that." So they might get in, yeah. They COVID. might get in if they're quick. Yeah. If they haven't already gone, um, then we've had people. I've I've never had people pestering me on mess on Facebook Messenger for tickets to a show before, um, and uh, various other cast members have been as well. So people are looking. Um, I think there's a few people who maybe if they can't go, you know, obviously can can pass them on or or, or sell them on through through 
through various channels, uh, obviously not at not at a profit, but at, at cost or lower. Um, but yeah, if there are tickets available, I'd just say be quick because they, they went very quickly in the first round. We're not releasing that many more. I think we're increasing the capacity from 120 to 150. Um, so that's it. There's really not that many. So um, if you want to come grab them while you can, I think it's going to be the position. I was going to say, get your tickets. You might be lucky. There might be one or two left. Be quick if you want to go sold out pretty much don't forget if you want to hear anything again this week go to manxradio.com download the spotlight podcast listen where and when you want why not try it whilst cleaning out the cat's litter tray see you next week when we'll have a poem from the current Manx youth bot amongst other goodies until then look after yourselves and whatever you're doing be creative about it cheerio